Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 100. I've entitled this talk, Uncovering Hidden Things, because that's where we're going to go with it. And uh, if you hear a lot of noise in the background, I'm, I'm sitting in the sanctuary, but it's really windy outside, and every so often the, uh, the roof starts to rattle. But first, before we get into the passage, I want to tell you about this friend of mine who recently died, and now you can actually watch burials on YouTube, which was good because this was took place way back in the East Coast. And I was watching her funeral, and I was struck by her son's words as the families gathered around the burial site, and he said, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for my parents' faithfulness. She finished the race. And I thought, you know, out of all the things he could have said about his mother, the thing that meant the most to him was her faithfulness. And of course, when he's, when he's talking about her faithfulness, he's speaking about her faithfulness in regard to her trust in God. Because she spent a lifetime she was one of these people, and you'll probably know people like this. She spent a lifetime pointing people to their ultimate source for help, right? Their ultimate strength, their ultimate hope. Um, yeah, you could, have, you could have spoken about her calling to the mission field. Or you could have spoken about how she helped various people or how devoted she was to her children and her grandchildren. It would have all been true. But he didn't. Uh, he chose one thing. She was faithful. And she kept the faith. She finished the race. It kind of struck me that, you know, it's one thing to start the race. You know, when we're talking about growing in our faith or growing in our spiritual lives. It's one thing to start off. But it's something else to finish the race. And one of the passages I'm looking at today, looking at a couple of them because they kind of tie in well. This is from a book of Hebrew, the book of Hebrews. The writer's concerned that his first listeners really aren't going to last the course. They're not going to be faithful. They started off well and they were really keen. But then what happens when there's a conflict of interest? What happens when you start off, you're really interested in learning more about God, you're interested in growing in your faith, in your understanding, in your emotional, spiritual life? What happens when there's a conflict of interest? And what happens when you realize that some major changes will have to be made, but you really don't want to have to do anything other than what you're doing. Because for whatever reason, the change that is required is too hard. What will happen? Well, the writer of Hebrews says, I hope you're not going to end up like your ancestors who didn't get into the promised land. And he's hearkening back to an ancient, ancient story where the ancient people, ancient Israel, were promised to go into this new land, but at the last minute, they got scared and they wouldn't cross over. And so God said, okay, well, then you've missed your opportunity. Your kids will get 
the opportunity. But because you held back and because you didn't trust, you're not going to get into the promised land. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, I hope you're not going to end up being like your ancestors, where you, you let fear You'll let fear get the better of you and you'll not go on any further because you think somehow the cost is too high or it's going to be too hard for you. And he writes, remember, this is a great line from Hebrews. I'll just, write, I'll just read you the text. It says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit. Nothing is hidden. Everyone stands naked before God. And it's that whole idea of, look, if something's holding you back, you can be sure that the Spirit of God will find a way to bring it to your attention. This is the way that God works with us. We're going along in our lives for whatever reason. We're in denial about certain things. We can't handle certain things. And sooner or later, you can be sure, as Hebrews says it in that very poetic way, word of God living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, is going to come along and start cutting things out of your life so that you can remain faithful. So today I'm going to talk about the cost of being faithful and I'm also going to talk about the greater cost of not being faithful because it kind of struck me that, um, yeah, it's hard sometimes to hang on in there and do the right thing and it can be costly. Like, for example, if you're going against your fear, that's a really hard thing to do, isn't it? But if you choose the easier path, and choose not to do the right thing, you end up in a worse mess than, than what you started in. So either way, you know, it can be difficult at times. It's just a matter, there's no, in other words, there's no getting away from suffering. It's more a case of one kind of suffering leads to healing, the other kind of suffering just leads to you being in an even greater mess than you were in the first place. So I want to show you from a, a well-known, fairly well-known um, conversation that Jesus had with a rich young man. It's actually got nothing to do with money, although at first reading you think, oh, this is just about money. It's actually not. It's, it's much, much deeper than that. But I want to, it's almost like we're listening into a conversation here, and it is so relevant. It's unbelievably relevant, this, this text. The story of the rich young man. And the story is, is that one day Jesus is walking along with his disciples and a young man comes up to him and says, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Now, this particular man is uh, successful, as in he's rich. He is, uh, leads a relatively good life. I mean, he doesn't steal, he doesn't lie, he's a faithful husband, he's a good son, he's good to his parents. There's something missing, however, because on this particular day, he goes up to Jesus and he said, good teacher, 
what must I do to get eternal life? And the first thing Jesus does is pick up on the word good. And it's a little bit of a hint of what's to come. Jesus said, what do you mean by good? Good teacher? No one's good but God alone. Nobody's good. So it's like Jesus, as he begins the conversation, is saying, young man, whatever your definition of good is, whatever your perception of good is, or your understanding of good, whatever you believe a good person is, it most certainly falls short of God's standards. Yeah, it's a little bit of a setup here. It's a little bit of a hint of what's to come because by our standards, this young man is a pretty good person by human standards, right? He doesn't really do anything particularly wrong. He's a good son. He's a good husband. You know, in our eyes, that would make him a pretty good person, right? Okay, so the text is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? By the way, eternal life for Jesus is having a fully alive life today. It's, it's now, it's today. It's not something that just kicks in once you die. You know, lots of times people think, oh, eternal life is, is something that happens to us after we're, we're dead. Well, yes and no. <laughs> The yes part is, yes, this, the scripture certainly teaches that uh, when we die, it's, it's not all over. I mean, it's not oblivion. However, Jesus teaches that eternal life is about being fully, it's like being awake. It's like an awakened life. Fully alive today. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, okay, this is, uh, don't break the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Honor your parents. And Matthew's version adds, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, I've kept all these commandments. I'm a good person ever since I was a boy. I'm a good person. I've never been unfaithful to my wife. I'm good to my parents. I don't steal. I don't lie. And then Jesus asks him a question that exposes the deeper issue, the hidden problem. He said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to sell absolutely everything and give it to the poor. Every last cent I want you to give away to the poor. And then I want you to come and follow me. Now, of course, this, is, this sounds absolutely ridiculous to him, and he's not going to do it. And, <laughs> I mean, it is. I, I mean, it's, he doesn't ask anyone else to do this, right? No, everybody else gets to keep their fishing boats or whatever. Nobody else is asked to sell absolutely every single thing and give it to the poor. So what he's doing, Jesus is doing here, is he's, exp- he's exposing the deeper issue, the hidden problem. And this is a very, very common pattern that you will experience in your life. 
This is something that is experienced by people growing in their spiritual and their emotional lives. This is when you get an aha moment. You get insight into why you do what you do. Or it's like you maybe you're impatient, but one day you kind of get insight into why you're impatient, or maybe you're fearful. And you get insight into why you're fearful. It's like an intuition. It's like a discernment. I think this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about when, when, when he says, the word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It judges the intention of the heart, and nothing is hidden because we're going to stand naked before God. God sees what Jung would call the shadow side. God sees, God knows what motivates us. We don't necessarily know half the time what motivates us, why we do what we do, but God has a way of revealing truth to us because God's truth, right? So God has a way of revealing truth to us so that we can get some freedom or some healing. Yeah, the the Hebrews text is kind of an alarming text in a way because, you know, it's the idea that the spiritual life exposes what is hidden. And if, if, if things are hidden from us, or if, we are, if we're rationalizing, the chances are we're not going to like what we see, right? So it's like cleaning the wound. It's painful. It's painful to see yourself as you truly are. It's like cleaning the wound, but if, it, if the wound isn't cleaned, then it gets infected, and then you end up in even more pain. So you can either have God reveal truth to you and, and be in pain, or you can be in denial and you can rationalize and then end up in more pain. So <laughs> there's no avoidance of pain in this life. It's just that one type of pain, suffering, leads to healing, and the other, infection. So when Jesus encounters people like this young man, it's not always easy and pleasant and without his suffering. In fact, in this particular passage, uh, the young man leaves Jesus' presence grieving because he's like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not selling. I'm not giving it away. That's ridiculous. I'm not doing it. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments. I've done that. I'm good. Okay. This is a great line. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Actually, in Mark chapter 10, for those of you who like to know where this stuff's coming from, um, yeah, he looked at him and loved him. It's the only place that's written. God loves us enough to tell us the truth. There's something holding this man back, and it's damaging. It's killing him. It's stopping him from this eternal life, this abundant life that Jesus talks about people having. And so 
The, I mean, it is. It's a radical thing. There's only one thing you can do. This has such a hold on you. This is such an addiction. This has such a hold. You need to give it all away, every single last cent. And then you need to come and fall. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is with addiction, right? You can't have a little bit of it, whatever it is, whatever it is. <laughs> so Jesus is exposing the deeper, deeper problem. Something that's sucking the life out of him. It's oppressive. It's destroying his life. It's controlling him. It's stopping him get what he truly wants. Jesus is saying, if you truly want to live, you absolutely need to let go of this completely. Not keep a single cent. You see, for this man, it's the hold that the money has on him that's the problem. Because he can't live without this. Can't live without this. The old word, the medieval Christians used to call it the passions. Or the, they used to, the, the medieval Christians used to call it the attachments. A newer word is sin. A newer word is addictions. He's addicted to money. He absolutely will not give this up. Okay, then it's, then it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your life. So he's shocked, and he, go, and he goes away sad at this point in his life. It's like, you can't ask me to do this. You can't ask me to do this. And I'm not going to do it, and I won't give it up. And Jesus lets him walk away. Yeah, you can never really talk someone into doing something at this level. You know, Jesus uncovers the problem, and then the man has to choose what to do. This, this is a very common pattern here. Something's wrong, something's revealed, right? The passion's revealed, the attachment's revealed, the addiction's revealed, the sin's re revealed, call it what you will. Something's revealed to you, and then... You have a choice, but it's a really costly choice. It's going to cost you something. Yeah, this stuff's really hard to do. That's why people can't remain faithful over their lifetime. This is not easy stuff to do. A choice has to be made. Now, one choice is going to lead to freedom, but it's going to be a really, really hard battle. Battle's the only word I can use. One choice is going to lead to freedom, and then the other choice is, is that you don't do anything at all, but then you're going to end up in an even worse mess than you were before. Yeah, not an easy position, is it? Common, common pattern. Anyone who's had a good therapy session with a really good counselor has experienced this. It's like something's wrong, something's revealed, and a really hard choice needs to be made. It can happen with uh, a really good conversation with someone close to you. 
You know, if you if you speak at any depth with someone, you can get an awful lot of insight. Most of my insights have been speaking to close friends um, about these sorts of things. That's where most of my insights come from. It's conversation for the most part. Or, of course, teachings, definitely teachings have helped me to people's, other people's teachings. <laughs> Not my own teachings so much, a little bit, but it's, it's different when you're listening to someone else. So yeah, this is the way God works in our lives. The, the, the word is living and active. It's like when we're talking about scripture, when we're talking about the word of God or the presence of God, it's like it's a living thing here. It's not just pages in a book. This is something that reveals what is going on. This is something that shows us the attachments, the passions, the sins. And when I'm talking about sin, I'm not talking about things like being impatient with the kids or being in a bad mood or, you know, I mean, there's different levels of brokenness, right? And some levels of brokenness are extremely damaging to yourself and your family and your extended family. I mean, you'll know this if you have someone in your family that's really, really broken, that one person, you know, has caused tremendous suffering to many, many people. Yeah. You know, I think we forget the power of sin. We forget about the power of addiction. I mean, it's the stuff that controls our lives. And this young man cannot control it. Now, for you, it may not be money. You might not be that materialistic. I think... For many people, especially in North America, because that's where I live and so that's who I am most familiar with, um, money is a big deal. Possessions are a big deal, especially in this Bay Area. It might not be money for you, however. Maybe it's something like fear. You know, some of us get paralyzed by fear. Or we get paralyzed by worry or anxiety. And some of us can't get control over our eating or our drinking or our over-exercising or our overworking or our overly controlling, you know. But, you know, I, I really wonder that whether it's overeating or over-drinking or drugging or over-exercising or overworking or controlling. I wonder if behind all of that is fear. Sometimes I wonder about that, that if the bottom line is fear. Anything that is out of control. Yeah, that's the passions, the ancient foremothers and fathers, the passions, the things in our lives we've lost control over. It is an alarming thought, however, the encouragement is, uh, again, this is from Hebrews, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness. High priest, that's another name for Jesus, by the way. We don't have, Jesus isn't out of touch with reality. He's been through weakness. He's been through testing. He walked on the earth. He understands humanity. He knows what it's like. 
The difference with Jesus is, is that he experienced the things that are common to us, but he didn't, he wasn't dominated and overwhelmed by it all the way we are. So Hebrews says, you know, it's like, yeah, take the mercy, people, accept the help. You I mean, you have a high priest who's able to sympathize. He's not out of touch with reality. God understands us. God knows us. So I hope you know where to go for help when you feel totally out of control. So yeah, we can find ourselves facing things that overwhelm us. We can find ourselves facing things that we can't manage and our weakness is exposed. What do we do with that? Because a choice has to be made. You know, faithfulness is staying true. It's about staying true. Takes the path that that leads to life. It's not always easy. Now the ancient people, the first generation, they didn't get into the promised land because they were too scared and they would not move against their fear. So fear led. And you know what a mess that ends up. When fear leads, oh, just a mess. This young man, yeah, he didn't follow. Didn't follow. All the perks that came along with money. No, I'm not giving that up, he says. Money and greed, two common things. Fear, no, maybe fear and greed. Powerful motivators in life. Fear is I can't because I'm scared. Greed is, you know, whatever I have, I can assure you, I always just want a little bit more. Contentment is not familiar to me. Yeah, our medieval foremothers would say, yep, that's a passion, that's an attachment. Might not be that, might be anger, could be rage, could be revenge. There's so many different things that can control us, isn't there? But whatever holds you back, you can be sure God has a way. God has a way of showing us. And the reason that God shows us anything, these shadow places, as Jung called the shadow, when God shows us these shadow places, it is This isn't about a guilt trip. This is always for the purpose of being set free. This is about freedom, true freedom. This is about healing. God shows us to set us free. Remember that? Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at her and loved her. Jesus looked at you and loves you. Loves you enough to tell you the truth. Yeah, and the truth sets us free. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Yes, God, show me that truth. Even if I'd rather not see it. Even if I'd rather not see it, show me the truth so that I can ultimately be set free. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.